You are listening to ASMR with Alex Boone. Just kidding. It's a podcast. Hope you enjoyed that. We're back. It's Saturday, therefore it's podcast time. It's changing every day, isn't it? Changing every day. To be honest, now that we're back in lockdown, I've just got to, you know, do a podcast whenever I get the chance. Not whenever I get the chance, but I can only do podcasts when I get the chance because I've got two housemates at the moment. And so, you know, I've got to tight around their outgoings and because I uh, I don't know if you've listened to the podcast um, but I have to really get into a zone um, when I'm doing it and if you can't you can't just get into that zone when two other people are in the house I should probably introduce it I'm Alex Boone this is the Boondoggle Podcast, a podcast where I read stories from a book that I found in a bush, probably. Yeah, it was, in a, it was so long ago now, I can't even remember where I found the book, but it's full of um, some pretty cool stories. Uh, and yeah, there's all kinds of stories, and I read them. But when I read those stories, I become... You know, I become immersed in them, and it's just, you know, if someone else is in the flat, then you can become very self-conscious about the nonsense, and you can't open your mind up to go delve down into uh, to trenches that you would um, would like to go down, if, you're, if you think, oh, look, maybe they're listening to me. So, on the same, uh, the last two weeks I've been, you know, spouting off about kind of spiritual stuff, you know, Be Here Now, um, and um, by Ram Dass, and then that, uh, the film, The Trial of the Chicago 7, kind of hippie stuff, and then now I've gone and got myself a watch that instead of... um, Instead of uh, numbers around the outside, it just says now. So there's 12 nows. So every time you look at the watch, the time is always now. Pretty deep, huh? Makes you think. Although the other day, I thought it was um, running a bit slow. In that case, it should say then delivery on that joke it's a pretty good watch it's um it's from this company called steel time back and um so you can get one that doesn't even have hands on it at all so this one has hands on it so it could be now now to now about now past now 
uh, or just now. Um, but then I feel like this is this is the watch with stabilizers on before you fully go deep into the the time is now kind of life. And you can get one without hands on it, and it just says now in the middle. So yeah, whenever you um, look at your wrist, you're always reminded. Oh, it's now. And it's a nice little joke you can play on people whenever they ask you the time, because you can just say, ah, the time is now. But um, it's rare that people ask you the time these days, because everybody's got a phone. And yeah, even if I did graduate to the um, one without hands on it, I still would have the watch on my phone. So, and you do need the time. If you're... If you're going to socialise with others, if you're going to have any commitments at all involving other people, it's handy to have the time. You can't just go by dusk and noon and um, all those kind of things. There's a lot of leeway if you're navigating by the sun and the, your own consciousness. So yeah, you might not be able to make many plans if you completely get rid of the concept of time. But it's a nice reminder to be present in the moment. The time is now. But the time now is to um, check back in with our friend Toby McNaughty. And he has found himself in London. More particularly, the King's Cross region. But Toby's hungry. And he, last week he found out that the McDonald's uh, staff in uh, the King's Cross station, and probably the McDonald's in most places, they don't let you swap goods for food. But that's all he's got. So let's see what happens to him this week. This story is called The Hunger of Toby. <laughs> When a man loves a woman he's seen on TV It's a love that keeps him wedged in his own city Now Toby McNaughty will track her down On a quest to find if true love Knows no bounds. Toby stepped out onto the streets of King's Cross. People barged past him and cars beat their horns, and there was the occasional shout of, Nice legs, mate! in his direction. But that didn't bother him right now, for his mind and his body were set on food. He'd barely slept or eaten in 24 hours, and these legs needed their sustenance. Back in Todmorden, you could walk into any cafe with a bag full of tut and you were bound to come to some sort of deal. A croissant for a dog toy, a coffee for a single carpet slipper, or a bacon butty for a broken microwave. These weren't defined currencies up north, it was simply based on the disposition of the cafe owner on that particular day. Down here, in London however, everything was so corporate. It was all company policy or the manager's orders. Who was this mysterious manager, and what was their problem with the Prosecco bubble bath he was offering? 
Toby tried McDonald's, then moved on to a Pret-a-Manger, and then Café Nero. Each time he was met with the same response. He traipsed down the street, trying to find somewhere that might accept his bag of tut. Then his eyes spied something particularly interesting. Bloody hell, what's this then? Avocado. That rings a bell. It was a small cafe where all the staff had moustaches. The women too. Their hair was tied up in a bun and their tucked in and their tucked in linen shirts were unbuttoned to reveal their chests. The women too. What the fuck is this place then? I say this much, it don't look like anyone's in charge here. Look at the fucking state of them. Bloody hell. He stepped into the cafe, the door ringing as he pushed it open. The man behind the counter greeted him with a smile. Hey, buddy. How's it going? My name's Frank. Toby was stunned by the man's pleasantries. Fucking starving, mate, actually. Bacon butty, if you would, lad. A look fell over Frank's face as if he was watching the Amazon rainforest burn to the ground in front of his very eyes. Hey, sorry, buddy. We don't have any of that awful shit on our menu. This isn't McDonald's. Kinnell, what have you got then? Hey, we got smashed avocado. Anything else? We got mashed avocado, we got mushed avocado, we got crushed avocado, and we got trashed avocado. On toast. And what in God's name is the difference between those bloody abominations for food? Smashed. We use our specialized smashing hammer. The smashing process creates a chemical reaction, bringing out the flavors of impact. Mashed. We press lightly with a fork, aerating the avocado in the process, presenting a light and elegant food texture. Mushed is done with the open palm, caressing the avocado passionately before pushing it with a downward force to create its smooth finish. Crushed is done by placing the avocado on an open palm and squeezing it tightly between the fist. This infuses the avocado with anger and pain, traumatizing the avocado with intense flavor. Trashed avocado is the same as smashed, but it's presented in a bin. It's very popular here. Toby looked around to see many people resembling the staff, all eating out of bins. Oh, bloody hell. I think I'll uh, found somewhere. His stomach rumbled and his legs almost gave way. Actually, I don't suppose I could get something for this, could I? He opened his rucksack, pulled out the kilo of blue tack, the Prosecco-scented bubble bath, and finally, the avocado slicer. When Frank saw this, his mouth dropped. Hey, what's that? Avocado slicer. Opens it, takes bloody stone out, then slices it. Load of junk, if you ask me. What's wrong with a bloody knife? Never tried it myself, though. Never tried an avocado. You have made our effing day, mate. This thing could increase our output tenfold and halve our injuries. Look at our staff. He looked across and they all held up their palms to show scars in the middle of their hand, as if they had been nailed to a cross. It's actually not that easy to distone an avocado safely. 
Okay, now, you lot are a bunch of twits, aren't you? Good for a bit of food, then, am I? Buddy, take whatever you like. We don't need the other tut, but this thing will change our lives eternally. Better take one of these, then. See what the bloody fuss is all about this green mess. Not a problem. What's your name? Toby. Toby McNaughty. Frank held out his open hand. Toby McNaughty, may the stars bless your path. They shook hands. Toby took a seat and waited for his meal. Each variation of the avocado on toast came at the same time, overwhelming a hungry yet 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 apprehensive Toby. He stared at each plate, eyeing up the green mush smeared on each bit of toast, then leaned over the bin to stare at the trashed avocado. Girl, kids these days, whatever happened to a fry-up? Probably bloody racist, isn't it, having a fry-up? His stomach rumbled again. Oh, bloody hell, Billy, you make decisions round here, don't you? He chopped a corner off the smashed avocado on toast and brought it to his mouth, shaking as he did so. It went in. He chomped. The look that was once anguish slowly became a look of surprised pleasure. He took another bite. What do you think of that, Billy? Not so bad, eh? No noise came from the belly. No rumblings, no more. I'll take that as a bloody scrumptious, Toby, thank you. Before long, each plate was empty, and he was headfirst into the bin, finishing up the trashed avocado. He pulled his head out of the bin, revealing a face smeared in green mess. I bloody love avocado, mate. You kids are onto something. He wiped his mouth and stood up. Frank, you have been a brilliant host and have introduced me to a wonderful delicacy. I will be telling my buddies in the north about avocado and you'll have me to thank. Hey, Toby, it's my pleasure. Thank you. You've done more than enough to spread the word of avocado. Have a great day. I will, he said as he marched out of the shop. Now operating on a belly full of avocado, Toby plodded onwards for the final part of his journey to a lovely life. An avocado convert. Sounds like um, whoever wrote the boondoggle was doing a bit of satire. Would you say satire into a hipster culture in London? But, in the end, it was the independent businesses that were his saviour. Not the corporations, because the trouble with corporations is no one's, the people, no one's got any power. You go to an independent business, they'll help you out because they, it's them that's getting affected um, at the bottom of the, at the end. Although, it should be the corporations that will help you out because, you know, they've got more to lose. This independent business, Avocado, well, we don't know how well they're doing. They, in COVID crisis, they probably would have been shut down. I think they're independent anyway. I mean, they're off. They are fictional, but they're fictionally independent. And if the COVID crisis happened in the world of fiction, then they would have probably been shut down. But they help a guy out. 
in all fairness, it is because he had an avocado slicer that they've never seen before that would change their lives forever. And to be honest, I've got one of those avocado slicers, but I don't know where it is because I thought it was useless. I got bought it um, for Christmas last year. And uh, now, and I, I laughed when I got it. I thought, like, like Toby, I thought, why can't you just use a knife? There's a lot of parallels with the things that appear in the boondoggle, with the things that happened in my life. But nonetheless, it does not change the fact that it's not written by me. It was found by me. Okay. But still, yeah, no, I kind of um, wish I had one of those. Wish I had the avocado slicer with me now. Not such a bad invention after all. And, uh, yeah, next week, I believe Toby will find, will reach his destination of lovely life. And will finally, hopefully, track down his one love, Jennifer. So tune in then for the, is it the climax? I don't know if it is the climax of the story. Hey guys, I didn't write the stories, but I feel like there's at least two more parts. Okay, so um, there's another thing I've been getting up to. If you, yeah, if you thought I'm already getting a bit, you know, mad in uh, lockdown. Well, now I've started walking barefoot around the park. And, um, it's, I mean, I've been a proponent of the older barefoot movement for a long time. But I only really go properly barefoot when I'm on holiday. Um, and it's just not enough to do it, you know, for a week or two a year. Um... Because, I mean, the whole point of the barefoot thing... Well, I've had barefoot shoes, which sounds like an oxymoron. But barefoot shoes, you've got basically no soul. No, they do have a soul. Shoes do have souls. No, um, they've got uh, no cushion on the sole. So when you go running, it's almost like going running barefoot, but you don't cut your feet up. But I was... Um, I mean, the whole point of them is one, apparently it's meant to be better for your knees because you uh, don't do big strides um, and all that kind of stuff. However, my ankle um, is kind of injured at the moment. don't know if it's related, but I was very... I was walking behind a man with um, with cushion shoes on the other day, like big Nike Air Max, and I was quite jealous as I was limping along. But, um, yeah, so I was walking down the park in my barefoot shoes and I thought, these aren't barefoot enough. And so I, um, yeah, took them off and, yeah, just started walking properly barefoot around the the park. One lap is about two kilometres. And, you know, it's good. Bit cold, bit cold, but you really... um, you feel every step, and you do kind of look like a 
a mad person. But I'm really practicing the idea these days that, you know, nobody really cares. It's quite nice to draw attention to yourself sometimes. But also, sure, someone might come home to their wife and say, saw somebody walking barefoot the other day. But, you know, they'll turn a blind eye to it. It does, um, yeah, it's, to be honest, nobody cares what you're doing. So you might look, I did, did cross my mind that if I was, um, you know, if the podcast was a chart topping podcast and if people got to recognize my face, then, um, if I was like just paparazzi'd, um, walking barefoot around the park, people may assume I've had a breakdown. But if anything, I've had a breakup, not romantically, with my soul. A breakup with my ego. Hmm, could say that. Uh, yeah, so if you're famous, um, you might want to have a think before doing it. But if you're not, actually, no, if you're famous, do do it. And then you can get the idea out there. And I said, I don't know why I'm trying to tell everyone else to do this. It's just something that I've been doing. I've been walking around the park barefoot and it's muddy and I like it. Uh, it does mean that you need to like rinse your feet off every time you come back inside, which is a bit annoying. Um, but it's the price you pay for a bit of mindfulness in this hectic world we're living in right now. Let us move on to the second story of the week. And this... Oh, it's somebody we haven't seen. It's a pair we haven't seen since series one. And it's the band known to you and known to me as S. Cunthorpe. S. Cunthorpe. Okay? Those posh, posh little duo, a brother and sister pair, um, who like uh, singing songs against the establishment. And we're checking back into them. The posh little duo, S. Cunthorpe. And this song, this story, is called A Party to Remember. Hey, so this is the dad. What the dad's dad banker dad's talk? He, 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 Sophie. He, oh hello. Hey, Sophie thought only the best from you tonight. All right, got a lot of big swinging dicks of the banking scene at the shindig, so I don't want you letting me down," said Bruce to his children as they were driving through London. Bruce, my name's S Cunt, and if you're so offended, though, by the female anatomy, then call me S, she replied. I suppose your brother Thor here wants to be referred to as T Whore. Uh, actually, no, I'm still Thor. Oh, mate, that would have been better, though, said Sophie. Hmm, fair, fair. You're a pair of idiots. None of the punk nonsense either, 
You know, we could have had you two play at the Christmas do, but when I told the party committee we could book you couple of twats and they could pocket the rest of the budget, well, it's safe to say they weren't pissed off at that idea. What I mean is, we may not be paying you as much as we could Bono, but that doesn't give you any right to be shit. If anything, you need to work harder, because your band at your best is nowhere near anything Bono and the gang could pull out their asses. If you balls this up, you're not only ruining your chances, you're ruining my respects as well. Respect is everything in this business, got it? Thor and S glanced sideways at one another. It wasn't a nervous look, it was a look that said, Oh bloody hell, mate, this guy means business. Sorry, Bruce, we won't do anything to damage your reputation, said S. The car pulled up at the Ritz and the three of them got out. The driver headed round to the boot and pulled out a suitcase and a Fisher-Price bag. He handed them to the concierge. This was their kit. Don't drop that stuff, okay? said Bruce to the concierge. Bruce, this is punk rock. Drop it, mate. Scuff our gear up. Not tonight, sweetie. Play like you too. Sure, Bruce. Yes, sorry, that's what I meant. Bruce headed into the main hall, picking up a glass of champagne on the way and immediately heading over to his pals, who greeted him with jovial comments. Is the man? You're a braver man than me bringing the kids along to a Christmas party, said one. Put it this way, I wouldn't have wanted them there after last year's antics. Gotta do my bit, haven't I? I'll be reading this one out whenever the wife gets all arsy. Yeah, for years to come, I'm sure. The concierge led S and Thor through to a room backstage for rehearsing. As soon as anyone was out of earshot, Thor piped up. Yes, we, c- we can't do it. Me? Can't do what? The, s- the song, you, n- you know the last song? Oh, fuck off, Thor. This is our moment. We're in the heart of Barclays, you know. We can't miss the chance to really give it to them. They're, they're paying us good money. It's just, you know, you know, it's really rude, isn't it? You heard, Bruce. They'd be paying you two at least ten times more. Are you two ten times better than us? Of course not. We're getting screwed over like they've screwed over this country. Uh, I I won't do it. Mate, Thor, you effing well will. I'm showing some common decency. What kind of world do we live in where somebody can pay you a fair amount and you just spit it back in their face? The fucking UK, man. That's what these guys have been doing to us for years. It's about time we did it back. I won't. Oh, Thor, you will, or I'll tell Bruce about your little crash in his Tesla. Oh, S, come, come on, please, don't. Maybe he needs to know that it wasn't smashed to pieces because he was blind drunk. It was you. S, you really are a cunt. He's fine with it. It's not the first time he thinks he's done it, and it won't be the last. May. We need to show these bankers who they're messing with, you know? <laughs> fair, fair. The curtains opened to reveal S. Cunthorpe. Once again, S. Cunt was stood behind her Fisher-Price keyboard and Thor behind his junior drum kit. S. spoke into the mic. I'm S. Cunt and this is Thor with a silent P.E. We're S. Cunthorpe. And you're... A bunch of wankers. But no one was listening. 
the whole room were nattering, clinking glasses and popping crackers. They were amped up, but it made a pathetic noise beneath all the hubbub. The band opened up with a few covers to get the people interested. They played Do You Really Wanna by Franz Ferdinand, Jump In My Car by David Hasselhoff and Chelsea Dagger by the Fratellis. But it didn't matter what the hell they played because no one was listening. They probably wouldn't have listened even if you 2 were playing. After the band were out of covers, S turned to Thor and nodded. Although he was reluctant before, he nodded with certainty and banged the drum for their final tune. Alright, my name's S Cunt and these names Thor. Let's go! Working all day for a lot of pay What about your children? What would they say? People on the street are dying at your feet Just ignore their eyes and you won't sympathise Got all your money, got all your property People are dying and it's not because of me It's fucking up society cheered and whooped. They hugged each other and called one another a wanker. No, you're a wanker, they'd say. They were all wankers. No, you fucking pricks, you're not supposed to like it. They sung it back to her. Cause you've got your wankers. 
Bonus wankers, bonus your wankers, bonus your wankers, bonus. Thor sat on his stool, unsure how to react. He smiled gormlessly. S picked up a keyboard and stormed off stage. Thor shuffled backwards through the curtain and made it off the stage. Although it was a valiant effort, the attempts of our band S. Cunthorpe to dismantle capitalism had well and truly failed. Better luck next time. A political classic there. Not satire. Not satire. But still not unlike something um, Chris Morris would write. I can say that because I didn't write it, you know. Um, it was, uh, yeah, similar to, um, you know, Nathan Barley, something like that. Um, a real uh, eye-opener to the, the world of the banking industry. I actually did watch um, Industry. There's a new uh, HBO um, drama, which is on BBC, actually, called Industry, which some of Builders' skins meets succession. It's all these young hotshots uh, who trying to make it in the old stock market industry. And, I mean, none of them are that likeable. But, you know, I'll give it a go. I've watched one episode, probably watch another. And, um, yeah, it's uh, not a nice place to work. And, um, yeah, they probably would all love it if, uh, you know, this band came along and performed this song and called them all bankers. Because they've got the money. And it doesn't matter what you call them. Words, sticks and stones will break my back and words won't hurt me because I've got money. That's their motto. Um, And, yeah, so it's nice to check back in with old S. Cunthorpe. We hadn't heard from them in a long time, but I know that uh, many listeners had missed them. And so it's because people have told me, they've said... Uh, I said, my friend wants a bit more of um, S. Cunthorpe. And I said, hey, I don't write the stories, but I'll look really hard in the book and see if I can find some more. And look what happened, I found some. And this story actually even came with uh, a CD um, to slip into your computer, download. There's a song in the middle, and you download that, and then you can play it. And so that's what I've done. It's quite amazing, right, isn't it? Driver who woke people with cries of wakey wakey stopped by police. The 21-year-old and passengers shouted many unnecessary things at the tops of their voices, police say. I heard this on the news this morning and I thought, that's pretty funny, isn't it? You know... There's a lot of um, a lot of bad news at the moment, but this young driver who woke people up with cries of wakey wakey in the early hours of the morning has been stopped by police. 
His car will be taken off him if he does it again, officers have warned. Hampshire Constabulary took action after receiving many complaints of a male causing nuisance while driving a red Nissan Navara around Gosport near Portsmouth. The 21-year-old and his passengers shouted many unnecessary things at the tops of their voices in the early hours of the morning, police said, while generally annoying residents who were trying to sleep. The man from Fairham was also seen turning his lights off and off and shouting, You can't call the police because you can't see us. How wrong he was, officers observed. After catching up with him, they issued a Section 59 warning. If he does anything similar in the next 12 months, his car will be seized, even if he is driving a different vehicle. They... Well, I hope they weren't drunk. One, because drink drive-in is um, illegal. And two, because, you know, they're just... I mean, yeah, they were being annoying twats. But their sense of joy and um, play, you know, it really uh, erupts. Not erupts. You know, you can see a lot of it. You don't get a lot of that these days. People just being silly for the sake of it. And these guys, I mean, it doesn't say in the article that they were drunk, and I'm glad. Because, you know, that's the kind of behaviour people do when they're drunk. But these guys, just, uh, I think, lockdown has just driven them to it. No pun intended. They're... um, I love it. I love it. I particularly love you can't call the police because you can't see us. But it's still, you know, I think even though it's very annoying, it's, it would be good if there was more just, you know, silly behaviour like this. It's, I mean, it's not victimless because the people of, um, where was it, Gosport, they're woken up early. But uh, just, you know, a one-off. It's it's fair, compared to a lot of crimes, it's victimless. Um, But, you know, one-off. He'll have a good story. They'll have a good story. And what's wrong with that at the end of the day? Round uh, round Manchester, local residents might know about the man who um, cycles around, often up Oxford Road. Often around uh, the uh, the Wally Range area where I live. Oh damn! I've given my residence away now. Fans, uh, retract that. Don't come to my house. Um, yeah, and he cycles around, and he's got he hangs his um a big old like duffel bag off his handlebars. Really old. He should just get panniers. Because it re- must really upset his balance and uh, make it very hard to pedal uh, steer. But he hangs, t- I think, two duffel bags off each side, big, like full of speakers, and you can hear him coming from miles away. But they're very, um, like, very poor quality speakers. I think he's probably had them for years, and he must have some sort of generator on him, and he's blaring out. Um, it's often like pretty heavy punk rock or metal. Um, but he cycles up and down Oxford Road around the Wally Range area and he's a pretty local legend 
but he doesn't do it at um, at the early hours of the morning. It's usually about midday. Although I haven't seen him for a while, and it it doesn't seem like it's not to annoy anyone. It's just for his own fun. I would re- I'd love to chat to him, but yeah, if you're a Manchester resident, uh, you'll know about him. He's a local legend, and it's a pretty cool thing to uh, do and to know about. You wouldn't get that in the big cities, would you? All you London-centric podcasts don't have some man cycling around with speakers on his handlebars that you know about. No, you probably seen probably might have seen one on the occasional day. But you don't have a regular guy. I could set the clocks by him. Although, saying that, I haven't seen him in a while. But then, I've got a clock that says now on it. So, it doesn't matter. And that is all we've got time for this week. I repeat, the website. I've got a blog up now. Blog, written about um, the van that I built. Um, yeah, what's up? On the podcast, it's up on the blogcast, the Boon blog, I call it, and the website, theboondoggle.co.uk, the Instagram, theboondogglepod, and the Twitter, Alex Boondoggle, though I haven't really tweeted in a while, but you know, follow me there, and maybe I will tweet. Um, there you go, you know, subscribe, like, leave a review, um, blah, 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 uh, that's what we've got time for. That's not all we've got time for. I could go on all day, but it's all you've got time for. No, it's not. You could listen all day. It's all I'm going to do. All right. See you then. Love you. Um, See you later, boondoggers. And keep on boondogging. Bye. Au revoir. Kissy, kissy. Kissy, kissy. No, sorry. Bye. Questions about the past and recent history. You don't have to quiz.